This is episode 5 of the AI Testimonials podcast series. The objective of this series is to provide insights from notable AI or data science experts working in mostly, but not only, the media business. Whilst we prefer to talk to our guests in person, due to the current corona crisis, this is our first remotely recorded episode. In this episode, we talk to Kai-Uwe Stahl, co-founder and co-managing director of Reporting Impulse, one of the leading data visualization consultancies in Europe. We touch upon the role of data visualization within data science, joint work on data science capability models and dashboards for the assessment and prioritization of AI use cases. If you want to get in touch with me, Carsten Mönning, or my co-host, Markus Koring, to provide feedback or to suggest future guests and topics, simply connect on LinkedIn. And here is our conversation with Kai. Okay. Hey, everybody. Um, for a new episode to for AI Testimonial Podcast. Um, first time ever, uh, we've got an external uh, um, guest we're talking to today. Um, this is, of course, due uh, to the current circumstances, the corona crisis. Um, another first is actually the fact that we're doing this remotely. Um, uh, this actually goes hand in hand, doing it remotely and doing it with an external guest. Um, nevertheless, this promises to be a rather exciting episode. And we've got Kai-Uwe Stahl, co-managing director of Reporting Impulse, with us today. Um, he's, of course, uh, going to introduce himself uh, in, in a second and uh, sort of going to give a little bit on his background and, and his sort of educational and professional journey. Um, just a few um, words on Reporting Impulse, um, which not everyone might be familiar with. Um, it's effectively, and, and Kai, correct me if I'm going wrong here, but it's a German boutique consultancy effectively operating in the field of business intelligence in general, data visualization in particular, uh, including uh, you know publication of, of numerous books and, and other publications. Um, so we're dealing with uh, pure play data visualization experts here, but also including services uh, in the sort of data science strategy and organization uh, world of things. Uh, so um, a portfolio which sort of stretch from classical business intelligence all the way to um, the modern data science realm of things. Um, by having said that, um, there's no one better to explain a little bit about himself and, and what the company actually does than Kai himself. So uh, Kai, welcome to the podcast. Um, thanks very much uh, for taking the time. And yeah, over to you. Um, yeah, tell, tell us and our listeners maybe a little bit about yourself and, and reporting in Posa, please. Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Carsten and Markus, for letting me hear so many firsts here. So it's a great honor for me to be uh, your guest. Um, it's a really great pleasure to be here in your AI Expert Group podcast. I just uh, remember my colleague, Oliver, who said, oh, Kai, there's a new podcast, AI Expert Group. Um, oh, it's by, from Carsten and Markus. You definitely uh, have to have a look at that. And then I heard it was a woods quite cool and then he continued said wow Kai this is really a cool cool situation how they discuss it and they're experts um, and additionally they have a very cool logo and then I have to, to smile at that and say okay that's probably the best logo ever created um, and then he looked at me and said well yeah we work together on the logo so uh, maybe we were also a little little part uh, in this AI expert group podcast um, where we participate um, yeah you probably introduced me uh, quite well and um, I 
probably can't do it uh, in better words uh, than you did. Um, as yeah, I'm one of the founders and, and uh, managing directors of Reporting Impulse. Um, yeah, we are a very small, specialized boutique uh, company, and we are focused on reporting, dashboarding, analytics. And we're somehow facing it from two directions to enable our clients best possibly to get in touch with these topics from the direction of training, either in person or digital, and also um, with little consulting projects. Yeah, how did we actually get there? Uh, well, my background is a double master degree in marketing and management, so that's not very close uh, to the topics uh, we cover today. But I think it's uh, a little closer than Andreas, who is a historian. Um, yeah, Andreas, that's my, my, my co-founder. Um, I met him during my last phase of my master's program. I thought it might be quite interesting to get some practical insights. So I applied for being a working student uh, in a BI consultancy. And then I became part of Andreas' team. And uh, yeah, it was quite a good and professional partnership. Uh, so he convinced me to stay even longer in Hamburg and uh, be part um, of his team. Um, yeah, we somehow built um, a new business unit there. It was at that time called the Visual Business Analytics. He also wrote uh, the corresponding book to that. Um, and after that, yeah, we discovered many challenges at different companies and we were writing um, several studies about the topic. And then we said, well, it's time to found our own company, which is Reporting Impulse then. And um, if Andreas nowadays sums it up, he always likes to say, well, at some point, uh, Kai decided that we need to found Reporting Impulse. That's it. So long story so short. Um, and we still believe that is was one of our best decisions. So it's quite happy um, that, that we did it, that we did that step. And even yeah, in, in times like this, we, we still um, love what we do and um, that I'll be able to be a guest in your podcast. I think it's also um, the best thing uh, you, you could get. And so, yeah, cool to be here. Thanks a lot for you. Yeah, very, very kind. Very kind words, uh, Kai. And if anyone is is a bit of a professional in the podcast domain, it's you guys, of course, with your BI or die podcast series. Uh, which, yeah, but uh, it's definitely a, a little a little different for me today. I have to switch uh, in the position of being interviewed. Normally, I interview the guys, or my lovely colleague Andreas uh, faces me with uh, five questions. I need to switch mm -hmm. the language. So uh, many first times for me as well here. Yeah. So we already have quite a history, Kai. So oh, yeah, that's true. when I remember Marco, my former colleague, uh, and you both know him as well, uh, he came in our, our office and we just returned from a meeting with one of our managers and Marco sat down and said, well, this can't be true. Everybody's telling us how to do stuff. Everybody has an opinion on dashboards, on colors, fonts, diagrams. We are not in the driver's seat anymore. So and I said, well, we need standardization, don't we? And he said, yes, we do. And I met this small company on a fair while ago. So should we call them? And I said, yes, call them. And maybe you can recap from there how it all started. 
Yeah, that's that. That's true. It was uh, really, uh, if you look at back to it, I think now three years or something, yes. a very um, cool relationship and. Uh, and maybe the, the initial project, um, it's also, I think, summarized in one of our, of our last books where you and Marco described this initial project. Um, I think it was quite a typical project for us at that time. Um, the main goal, I think, was just to, to train the staff and implement a Bertelsmann-specific guideline for data visualization and dashboarding. So yeah, just define the standards. And um, we were very lucky that we met such a yeah, motivated and highly qualified team in the, in the central purchasing department. I think this is where we, where we started at Bertelsmann. Um, and we somehow pushed each other to, to greater goals. And um, we were then able to, besides setting up the, the standard dashboards, we're able to support your journey step-by-step step, uh, to become a more data and AI-driven company. Um, if I remember several things, um, we hold many, especially in the time before Corona, in-house trainings, uh, talks at several internal events. Even Andreas um, forced himself to make some uh, talks in English. Um, we made short prototyping projects. So, so many sometimes small change activities uh, to convince uh, the Bertelsmann community about the benefits um, of, of our topics. Um, but there was so much more. I think the, the data curriculum, um, even the digital learning um, environment we built um, called Reporting Impulse Academy um, was somehow in, in cooperation with the Bertelsmann University and your ideas. Um, I think Andreas once asked me what's the one of my favorite dashboards I ever created or what was involved in this. And I said, well, it's a AI use case dashboard, but maybe uh, later we can come back to that as well. Uh, and lately, I think there was the communication concept. So, so many things, um, I'm probably not mention all of them. And um, it's not the, the thing that I really appreciate that in the way how we work together, uh, but also it's somehow I feel that Bertelsmann is uh, in this case uh, really ahead of the market and that we are really able to work together on these cutting edge topics, at least at the, at, at the time uh, we're dealing with that. Um, and this is really cool because it's these topics we're dealing with and also um, that there's a personal level and team spirit was always quite a positive factor for us to travel uh, to Gütersloh or Reda Wiedenbrück, which is not uh, so cool, especially if you're uh, traveling uh, with a with a bahn from from Stuttgart. I think it's I don't know six hours, and I don't know how many times I need to change the train, and it's really difficult. But the team spirit uh, and on the topics, it was always cool to to come and. Uh, then get a nice smile and echo. Let's do it. Uh, working on on cutting edge topics. Um, yeah, this was really beneficial also from for us as as a company. We we learned a lot of that. Yeah, I mean the um, on the sort of uh, on the cutting edge side of things. From my point of view, anyway, it's 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 a rather it was a rather interesting journey because. Um, yeah, as, as you as you pointed out rightly, we we started off with data visualization, which um, for many companies these days is is more or less 
at the end of the journey sometimes, I believe, um, well, the journey is never over, but it's more towards the, the end of, of all these data-driven or AI-driven uh, concepts and, and considerations. And uh, so interestingly, we started the other way around. And I think actually that was beneficial because, you know, having all these storytelling capabilities and having some sort of best practice guideline to, to refer back to, everything else falls sort of naturally into place. Uh, because as you, as you said, um, uh, we've, we followed up with, with the data science capability framework, in particular the data science curriculum, um, which of course required the development of, of a data science role model with business analysts, data analysts and the like. And that was so much easier to relate to if uh, with the data visualization ideas in, in the back of the mind, um, you know, basically saying, okay, a data scientist will, of course, more work more closely with visual analytic, visual analytics uh, driven visualization, whereas, uh, I don't know, a business analyst is more, you know, will, will, will more closely work with information design ideas. And so this, this one made it very, very easy to actually communicate this role model and these ideas uh, to the partners within the company, because visualization is something everyone can relate to. You know, it's, it's, it's not as, you know, maybe technically sophisticated sometimes in, in, the, in the perception, at least, of the people. It's very, you know, advanced visualization, of course, is very sophisticated, but yeah, it's easier to communicate to people. So, I, I mean, is, is that an experience you've made with other companies as well, that they also sort of effectively went the, the wrong way around, if you like, uh, starting with visualization, then working their way to data science role models, data science educational curricula, data science... Um, I don't know, AI uh, use case representations, all that. I mean, it's, it's quite special that, that we um, somehow support and work together with you for such a long period and that we really somehow yeah, go along the way together, um, maybe from the wrong direction, if, if, if you look at that. Um, but I think it was exactly the, the right uh, decision to do it uh, the way we, we did it. And uh, we are also trying to motivate um, this way exactly in other companies as well. It's not always uh, um, that easy. And I also would say that you're Spurtelsmann. Okay, it's, it always depends on, on the departments maybe or on the, the, the maturity level in general, um, but that you're somehow here in, in, in this area, from, from my perspective at least, uh, a little bit ahead of, of, of the market. Um, so we can't observe all these steps directly in, in other companies, um, but at least uh, many people um, yeah, are aware of that data visualization is somehow very important and that uh, dashboards, uh, yeah, need to be placed somehow in the company to really gain deeper insights uh, into their data sets. So when we're going back to, to the data visualization best practice guideline, maybe you can say, well, you already said we are ahead of the market and our view is maybe, well, we are a bit behind, but this is always the perspective if you're in a company or if you're looking at it from, from an outside view. So what would you say, uh, what are the advantages uh, that a data visualization guideline has? I mean, the, the first thing is um, you said, okay, you started with, with data visualization. It's somehow easier to, to get access 
to that because visualization is somehow accessible for, for everyone. And um, so this is, in general, a, a good start. If you really like to, to think about the advantages of a best practice guideline, you probably need to cover two things. On the one hand, it, it unifies the presentation of diagrams, tables and dashboards, KPI tiles and stuff like that. So it really makes it easier for the recipient to, to understand the whole flood of the data. Um, and on the other hand, um, it facilitates also the creation of the dashboards and reports for the person who's actually setting up the dashboards. They have somehow a clear framework, clear guidance, maybe also recommendations on um, which is the best use case for, for which dashboard. So you actually never start from scratch. And a good guideline for, for Mind of Pew is the, the one who's updated very um, on, on a regular basis. It's we, we start with something and then the team in the company needs to come in and really push it forward. And this is what we did. I mean, we, we um, um, reviewed this guideline several times over the, the, the three years. And um, also Carsten mentioned uh, the three mo most important parts for me in a guideline, which is the information design part. So the static representation of data and information what are the basic diagrams how should we design them what are abbreviations how do we use colors and stuff like that and then the second part um the dashboard design so when the interactive components come into mind so how do we actually set up a dashboard what are the different layer levels of a dashboard how is the navigation how can you intuitively navigate from one level to the next level and also um, third part uh, visual analytics if it's not possible to deliver all the information within bar charts, line charts and stuff like that. Um, you need probably an analytical framework with more advanced visuals, more complex visual interactions um, so that you also um, get uh, get an idea of that. So really the, the basic advantage is that you never start from scratch and that everyone who's receiving um, the reports, they have clear handwriting and understood how they use this and how they get most out of the analyzed data within the dashboard. Um, I, I guess um, following, it, it, once you have established um, some sort of guideline as you just described um, and, and a well-structured one, ideally, um, the next question typically which comes up, I can imagine, um, it's uh, probably at, at uh, Berlsmann no different than other places, is what sort of BI tools are, <laughs> are particularly suitable for actually, um, you know, you got all these people in, uh, motivated about data visualization with such a guideline. The next question then is, of course, yeah, well, which tool should I ideally use to get this particular visualization actually implemented for my particular purpose? Is there a sort of uh, recommendations or, or market overview you can give on, on, on this standard question? It's a typical standard question. As, as you said, I'm often asked that. Also within our podcast, um, I think uh, Andreas was asked this question from my side as well. Um, and for all of you wishing to get one simple name of tool uh, as an answer, 
Yes, sorry, please. I have to disappoint you for, for that. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, but I think it's a still a very promising answer I, I could give. Um, I think uh, from the experience we made is that you can visualize probably in every state of the art BI tool and tell good stories within that. Um, the question is usually not crucial about the tool since the tools I think have very good uh, visualization standards. Um, all the ideas and suggestions which uh, we defined together in the data visualization best practice guideline for um, for Battlesman, I think they are tested in, in SAP Analytics Cloud, Tableau, Microsoft Power BI, click sense so um and just yesterday i think we made a web talk with the colleagues from information builders and they also show um great implementations for example for the managing monitoring dashboard so it's not really the, the question of of the tool um, you can use every tool very in a proper manner or you can also misuse it um, you probably need the yeah best practice guideline or guidance or education skill set um, so that you're yeah, somehow able to, to use it properly. Me personally, if someone asks me, what do you like most? What is the BI tool of your choice? Um, my favorite personally is, I would say, Power BI. Um, it's quite an easy access for, for us as a company as it's included in Office 365. Um, in addition, um, yeah, I, I work a lot with Microsoft products, so I feel somehow closer connected to their usability, how to change settings and stuff like that. And even um, if I discuss it with others, especially in the controlling environment, um, they also feel like, oh, it's somehow closer to excellent PowerPoint. And uh, that's the reason why they find their way around in, in Power BI uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good. And um, and also what I what I think really it's it's fantastic is their market power and the the development power actually with the short release cycles um, that's impressive great fun I think um, I would say if I look in in LinkedIn probably every two weeks or something there's at least a post in LinkedIn about okay new features new custom visuals whatever so so the development cycles uh, made a lot of fun so this is. Yeah, but it's a totally personal um, personal opinion. I really don't care about the tool. I think it's more or less uh, the methodology, how to use the tool. That's the most important thing. Yeah, I also think that Microsoft did a lot of ground in the recent years. So we started with, with Click or, and I worked with Tableau a bit. But Microsoft is really doing a good job, I think. Uh, I think I know why why they are in the magic quadrant uh, at the lead positions now. True, they are investing a lot uh, from from the market side, so a lot of um, marketing activities going in in, the, in this direction, uh, and also, of course, yeah, the, the development yeah. power, the team size. Uh, yeah, this is well, it's not comparable to 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 others, but they also have to make uh, this effort really to to come closer to that. And now, yeah, if you follow the 
the development within the the magic quadrant um, over the last years they really uh, keep up with with all the others and now they are in the in the leading position and i think also um if you refer to to the bark uh, bi score it's pretty similar to to the situation described in the magic quadrant from gardner do you have um do you guys actually have you noticed any sort of change of attitude in the market towards um products such as Luca or, or Tableau, which of course has been have been subject to takeovers or mergers, whatever you want to call it, uh, recently. Um, has that, from your point of view, had any uh, impact on its customer perception or anything? Do your customers basically say, okay, now that Tableau um, is, has been taken over, it's not our priority choice anymore or something like that? Um, not from the from the customer side, but I also uh, thought about this question, especially um, if I were yeah taken over by by Salesforce. Um, my idea was okay. That's a really uh, interesting uh, thing because maybe they're really because if I were working uh, with many companies and in the field of sales, normally the data is probably prepared and um, many insights are being able and directly um, generate somehow profit. Um, so a lot of activities are going in, in this direction. And then my thought was, well, maybe they are just uh, doing that to have a very advanced visualization tools to implement uh, further in their sales activities for Salesforce. And um, and then just a few moments later, or just a couple of weeks later, I was at the big data conference in Frankfurt. And normally I perceive um, Tableau as really a marketing machine. Uh, all those things, what they do, it's really high performance marketing and, and uh great stuff and then i visited um their their booth there at uh, their market booth and it was just a very small standard booth it was oh what's what's happening and, and i thought they maybe this is already the first indications uh, that they're not uh they're forcing um their market activities as as we knew it before uh, but this is again a personal uh, impression maybe it was just coincident um that they were not having this a clicky great uh, stuff booth um at this at this conference um but what i heard from other analysts as well that um the team itself uh, is still probably together so so the technology is is further developed so maybe there might be um, no not a, not any change but these just fun facts uh, about the, this conference that we observed okay they were just uh, taken over by by a salesforce and then they somehow in our perception uh, changed their their market presence or the marketing activities so kai this is the ai expert podcast so when we are trying to combine the data visualization on the one hand and ai on the other hand what do you think uh, how can visualization help with ai topics I mean, what's the fascinating thing is that visual analytics, I think, is particularly exciting, not only for us as experts, um, but for all taking part uh, in this journey. So from my experience, visualization is always somehow a key functionality to make the findings which were generated by all these promising AI topics to really make it obvious, visible to, to the experts. 
I think there's, again, two sides. On the one hand, there's the, the analytical experts who can get visual insights using explanatory data analysis and with the help of these modern self-service tools we already mentioned, uh, they offer great opportunities for data scientists and all um, the, 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 the people involved in that. Um, and of course, visualization is not only bar charts and line charts. It's much more. There are advanced visuals like tree maps, sunburst, net, whatever, network graphs. Um, so here on, on, on the part of the analysis, I think it could uh, give really a beneficial adding. And on the other side, it's not only that you need to, to analyze it, but you need to communicate to bring those insights to other special business experts, really that they have been enabled to understand uh, complex issues. So I think there are two sides of the metal, not only the analysis, which could be supported um, by using advanced visualization, but also the communication within dashboards so that other experts are being able to really to understand and get um, the insights from from the dashboards or from the data which is available. And um, if I remember one one example we we did together um, was the challenge there that we have or you in at Battlesman have yeah a variety of AI initiatives, and but it's often the question yeah how can we actually provide a status the updates, how can we show an overview, what are somehow a succession measurement of all these uh, initiatives. And I think we also provide quite a nice um, dashboard on that with yeah, visual analytics methodologies and really enabled the people to a successful evaluation and analysis of these um, um, AI initiatives. Um, and I think um, to the AI expert group, um, they also get access if they if they like to these use case dashboards. Um, they can prioritize their use cases and adapt it. I think we did a lot of also um, video education on that how you can use it. Um, so this is, and this is definitely one of my my favorite dashboards. Uh, it was made in in Power BI, and really to to somehow simplify. Um, these complex issues, providing this overview about these AI topics, I really like that. Yeah, it's an interesting point because um, it goes to show that that visualization has a role to play at the uh, even before the start of the of the standard data science process, if you like. I mean, you you described um, um, very nicely the the um, role visualization has to play at the very beginning of the data science uh, cycle, namely with sort of visual exploration of the data, trying to understand with uh, standard statistical visualizations or the like what, what, what the nature of the data is. And then at the end of your data science process, when you actually have finished successfully by whatever score or metric, uh, uh, the, model, uh, the modeling phase, the algorithm design phase, and, and you, everything's implemented, whatever else, um, and then use visualization to tell the story of the findings of, of what the model actually generates. But then there is this, um, this third role you just mentioned, namely, even before this data science cycle begins, there's 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 the source for there's the use case, the actual motivation uh, for digging into the data, for trying to come up with some sort of uh, of detecting some sort of pattern or relationship, and and um, I guess for us it's it's similar for many other companies that for 
uh, AI-driven use cases or, or generally data-driven use cases or any new tech-driven use cases is very is a challenge because uh, there's still a lack of experience with it. There's a lack of methodology around it, if you like, namely how to evaluate, how to assess, and how to prioritize at the end of the day these use cases. And again, then that that is a you know that's where visualization comes in very very nicely. Uh, once you and and I remember as part of the project, is, visualization was the one thing, and the other thing was also establishing um, some sort of criteria, standardized standardized yeah, criteria, yeah, for assessing these use cases, and then using the information on these criteria for each individual use case, then to, to make it. Um, yeah, um, put it into a dashboard and make it uh, interactively um, open to analysis via dashboard. So it's an interesting case you're describing here because visualization shows up at the very, very beginning and at the very end, um, which goes to show and it goes full cycle for our discussion here because, you know, as, as we said initially, by pure chance, um, we started the collaboration with data visualization um back uh, three to three to almost four years ago and now uh, years later we again um, come to the point that without visualization uh, everything we do is 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 maybe not meaningless but very very hard to communicate or to make look meaningful to others yeah that's that's definitely true and that's also what we like pretty much about the field of data visualization and why we're engaged in that it could cover so many aspects um, of a company uh, from, let's say we started here in, in, in the purchasing department. Now we're dealing with AI topics. So it's a wide range of topics. You can actually better explain and getting insights into that uh, with the techniques of, of, of data visualization. You can do it with almost any tool yeah if you have those those uh, methodologies in mind you can probably do it in a good shape uh, in in every tool at least in the in the modern tools and it's also not very specific to one industry so even the industry basis is is a very wide one um yeah this is um yeah a fantastic thing and as you worked it out really at the beginning for the one who really is digging in 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 the data data visualization is key but also at the end if you communicate night to convince others or try to get more budget for some activities uh, more more uh, uh, in, in in the data part i think it's it's very very helpful and yeah this is quite cool about data visualization i mean uh, of, of course with data visualization as we have established um is being very important and of course there's the um, there's a best practice guideline uh, as one source of sort of skilling yourself up on data visualization but do you have also additional pointers um, to um, e-learning content or other content um, uh, to actually get oneself uh, skilled up in the area of data visualization for me, I would say uh, the most impactful advice is to start <laughs> as, as early as possible. In one of the leading business intelligence tools within a defined or probably concrete case so that you actually work with a tool um, on, on, on the data. Uh, of course, this could be your own data set and use case or a more or less structured learning environment. 
But I think it's really important to go small step, but really continuously improve the way you build your dashboards. And because we really uh, believe in that, um, we also um, started um, this Reporting Impulse Academy where we yeah, focus on, on, on these things, mainly maybe if I sum it up in, in four things. You get state-of-the-art dashboarding, best practice impulses, so just all the conceptual frame. So what we talk about, basics of, of data visualization and all the three information design, dashboard design, visual analytics. Um, then additionally, um, these e-learning incorporates um, practical tasks from the challenges we experienced in our projects. Um, then based on that, if you have yeah, somehow practical tasks, you need solutions. Um, so we defined our uh, best practice implementations in Power BI, ClickSense, um, SAP Analytics Cloud, Tableau. And so you actually have building instruction for for your future dashboards i think this is this important really not to to start from from the green field anymore and what i additionally like the fourth point is really to give personal feedback on what you developed so there's a solution you can upload it on your pla on our platform and then you get uh, some feedback for this practical task and i think this combination besides uh, having a, a guideline really to motivate others and really to to skill skill them up um, could be a very very beneficial um, but within the, the Bertelsmann um, data curriculum there are even more um, uh, fields uh, which which are, which are covered but this is uh, the reporting impulse academy I just mentioned I think um, yeah as as a member of reporting impulse I would uh, state that first. <laughs> So as we are slowly coming to an end, we are normally asking our guests to uh, give a, a glimpse into the future. So maybe you can talk a bit about how the maybe the the tool market will evolve, the the landscape will change, but also about the functionalities. Are there auto dashboards in the near future? Like, are you just having twenty parameters and the dashboard is building itself maybe you can talk about that a bit yeah this is really really difficult i think um to to predict the future i think this is always a, a tough question and especially in times we experience so far i mean if you ask me that question a couple of months ago you will i would probably answer it differently and uh, the additional fun fact it's recorded so i need to be very careful what, what i say um because they're even more experienced we experts won't hold it say against probably you. totally nonsense about that um Maybe I try to, to, to separate it in, in, in two parts, the methodological part and the technological part. Um, the methodological part, which we covered about the visualization basics, how interaction is working, how the person or the human is perceiving that. I think this research dates back quite a long time and it's still valid today if I think about the Gestalt principles or the Snyderman mantra. And the reason mainly behind us is that we as humans do not dramatically change on how we perceive um, the information. So this is probably quite a solid basis. Um, on the other hand, uh, the, the technological side um, is quite hard to, to, uh, to describe. 
if I look back at, at the beginning of my uh, BI career, um, the business intelligence tools were more or less techy tools, really hardly accessible for business people. And and if you look where we are today, it's probably never easier to explore data quickly, discover deeper insights, and communicate it um, effectively and yeah, somehow probably make better data-driven decisions. So business intelligence vendors, from my point of view, did really a fantastic job um, over the last years to, to simplify access to data analytics. I mentioned Bark BI score or... But Gartner, Magic, Rattant are probably a better source to observe uh, the the future development uh, than my than my person uh, personal opinion. Um, but often, if if I talk to other companies, um, the tool thing is not always really the this thing they are struggling with. It's more or less the the underlying basis was somehow the trouble spot. So the process of data availability, data preparation, data storage, data quality. So all these very time-consuming topics. Often, if you look at projects, 80% of the time is used by preparing data in, in any way. And um, there's my, my, my largest hope that we will gain larger progress in this field in the future so that we are not having questions like, okay, when is the data available or stuff like that? Or, or yeah, the data quality is not good enough. Data quality is a process. We have to accept the current status. It will never be perfect, stuff like that. So that would be my, 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 my strongest hope um, that uh, there are really great movements and developments that we can actually benefit from from the from the analysis of our data because the data is not only available but available for analysis because i remember i think one one study and it says okay we're collecting uh, tons of of data worldwide but only at i think one percent or something is being analyzed. So it's much more data collected than analyzed, a really very, very small amount. And I think this is why the data is actually not available. So this is uh, the poor thing. So I would hope um, that a lot of automatization and, and stuff like that would, would go uh, in, in this direction. And of course, um, uh, the the human the human part um, or the time for the for the development of, of a dashboard could be still um, optimize so all the um, the recommendations and guidance we, we give in our data visualization best practice guideline maybe um, yeah more or less these are could be integrated in, in in these tools and that we get even recommendations okay this is your use case so why not using this dashboard it would be a very cool idea maybe of course we need to then think of uh, other business case for our company um, but still this is uh, reachable yeah I, mean, I guess data visualization will always uh, have an important role in all of this and, and maybe even you know for example i mean if, if you do data quality analysis or metadata analysis uh, especially with with huge data sets i mean what's the point if you don't manage to visualize your insights on the data quality analysis in a meaningful way so i mean even their visualization and i don't know data data lineage and and all that needs to be visualized in a meaningful way so i believe um, data visualization will will be with us uh, for quite some time to come and uh, just like um, any any data visualization best practice guideline requires uh, updates 
Um, also, this very podcast will require an update, Kai, maybe in a year's time, who knows? And then we will hold your predictions against you and we'll see which way the predictions uh, you've made uh, regarding the tool set, the role of visualization uh, will have gone by then. But, okay, uh, but then I will will have a revanche and also ask you uh, <laughs> to be part of um, our podcast "Bi or Die" and ask you about um, the the yeah the modern trends uh, in AI and the prediction of the future for this field as well, and then we can make this match as well. Okay, I was afraid you were going to say that, but okay, it's a deal. Yeah. Uh, just Marcus and myself, we will be as fluffy as humanly possible in that podcast. So, <laughs> so you can't actually you can't get a hold of our predictions against us. Yeah, that will be but, our. But technique. the cool thing is that I already. Normally, our guests do not know the questions in advance, so you can now uh, read all your your Harvard uh, stuff like that to to come to 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 a conclusion and give a very good uh, prediction on this question. So one question is already visible to you. So at least yeah, you have yeah. this advantage in comparison to others. Yes, yes, it gives me a little bit of hope. But yeah, but uh, thanks for the invitation. Of course, uh, we'll take this up. Um, but yeah. Um, Kai, again, thanks very much uh, for your time and for all the valuable insights. And um, yeah, as I said, hopefully we'll get the chance to to um, do a sort of an update to this session in, 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 in a couple of months time and see which way visualization and the whole field of data science, which you are active in, uh, has gone by then. And yeah, till then, um, thanks very much again. And I guess we'll talk to each other in your very own podcast in the near future. Um, till then, yeah, thank you, Kai. Yeah, and thank you for, for having me here, Marcos, as well. Um, it was really, really a pleasure and that we continue that within our podcast, Be I or Die. It's also a very great thing. And even thinking about maybe not having this uh, in, in the home office, but also in person, uh, maybe uh, in one years from now, it would be quite cool. Very much preferred, yes. yes. Okay, bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone.